everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here along with Wiggy today, and we are excited to dive into a topic that we hear a lot about these days, but I don't think that most of us truly understand what it is and what it means and what the implications are, and that is autoimmune disease. And I'm sure that most of our listeners have heard of that phrase, but we are going to dive a little bit deeper into what that is and why it happens and um, just dabble a little bit because this is something we could talk about for hours and break down and we'll, we will hopefully do that in the future. But let's go ahead and dive in. Will you tell us generally, Dr. Wiggy, what autoimmune disease or condition means? Sure. Yeah, this is a question that I get actually quite a bit uh, in the practice because I actually see a fair bit of autoimmune disease uh, in my patients and there is some confusion about what it is and, and how you can treat it. So I try to keep it fairly simple when I'm trying to explain it to somebody about what this what this is because it can become uh, pretty complicated and overwhelming. Uh, but the gist of it is is that the autoimmune disease is basically when your immune system gets confused. So the immune system is supposed to be there to fight off the things that you encounter like bacteria and viruses to help you uh, stay well. But sometimes what happens is that the immune system gets confused and instead of fighting things off like bacteria and viruses, you start attacking your own tissues. So and depending on which tissues you're attacking kind of depends on which type of autoimmune that you are diagnosed with. So someone that has um, the immune system that is attacking the thyroid tissue, oftentimes they have Hashimoto's. That can also be uh, the other end of the spectrum, Graves' disease. Uh, for someone that has uh, the immune system and antibodies that are attacking the joint tissue, a lot of times that is rheumatoid arthritis. So the big, big, begin picture of this is that the immune system is not uh, doing it, doing what it should be doing. It is confused and is attacking healthy, normal tissue instead. So I know that there are lots of reasons. Obviously, there are lots of different types of autoimmune conditions, but. What is the root cause of this happening in the body, or what are some of the root causes, I guess I should say, um, of why this happens? Because it just seems so odd that the body would turn on mm -hmm. itself, essentially. I think that's a good point, and this is also uh, important to understand is that uh, this is a different perspective from traditional medicine and integrative medicine. So from a traditional medic medical standpoint, autoimmune disease is what's called idiopathic, is that you have some sort of immune system dysfunction attacking your own tissues, but we don't know why. So it's just said, well, you got this, let's try to you know, control your immune system and hopefully they can control the damage. Uh, but from an integrative medicine perspective, autoimmune disease has a cause. So there is something that is happening inside of your body that is confusing the immune system and again, you're getting the, this, these symptoms as a result. The challenging thing is, is that there are lots of causes for autoimmune disease. Uh, but the best way to think about this is that your body, your immune system, which, is, which gets confused, it's attacking something and it's attacking your normal tissue for some reason. So a lot of times uh, what we see as a trigger is that you're, you're having your immune system attack something that then gets then then looks like a similar piece of tissue in your body. So we see uh, autoimmune being triggered by things like food sensitivities. Gluten and dairy are very common. Uh, we see chronic infections trigger autoimmune disease, uh, things like Epstein-Barr virus and Lyme disease. 
Uh, we see mold toxicity where your immune system is recognizing mold toxins and that is again is causing this triggering this autoimmune process. Um, environmental uh, toxins, environmental sensitivities that can also trigger autoimmune disease. So that is where it's really tricky and where a lot of detective work is necessary uh, from a physician standpoint to try and figure out the cause because like I said there are multiple causes. Uh, but the cool thing is once you identify that cause and once you eliminate it from the body, a lot of times we do see autoimmune disease improve. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about what are the symptoms. So somebody might say, well, you know, how do I know if this is happening to me? What are the symptoms that are generally present? There's not necessarily a category of symptoms for each person for each disease because it does present pretty differently. And uh, each autoimmune disease, again, like I was saying earlier, is that you're attacking different parts of the body. So what you're attacking, you tend to have different symptoms. I can kind of go through some of the most common ones that I see and some of those symptoms that we see from that. Probably the most common is Hashimoto's, which, is, uh, which causes hypothyroidism. And this is where your immune system is attacking the thyroid gland and basically slowly destroying it. So what happens with uh, Hashimoto's, you have the main symptoms of low thyroid, which is fatigue, uh, weight gain, hair loss, and being cold all the time. Those are the biggest symptoms there. And then we do also see a lot of rheumatoid arthritis, and this is where the immune system is attacking the joint tissue, so joint pain. A lot of times people also have, um, they also tend to have some fatigue with that as well. Really, that's probably one of the uh, general things we see with autoimmune diseases is fatigue. Uh, then there are uh, certain autoimmune diseases that affect the gut, things like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. Biggest symptoms for that is gut problems uh, like uh, irritable bowel type symptoms, uh, diarrhea, uh, mucus in the stool, uh, blood in the blood in the stool. Uh, those are inflammatory bowel diseases, and we see again a lot of that. We see a lot of gut problems, and then there are a handful of neurologic autoimmune diseases. Probably the most common that we see in the practice is multiple sclerosis. And with that, you have uh, immune system destruction of the myelin sheath around nerves. And what that does, it causes weird neurologic symptoms. Numbness, tingling, uh, vision changes, headaches, uh, loss of coordination. You can get some really strange things with, uh, with MS. Uh, but it, it is important for us, to, again, to point out that these are simply diagnoses. These are what's. You know, these are, this is what we can label this. But it's important to, to not get stopped, to stop there, to, to take a step back and say, okay, this is what is your disease is being labeled, but why? Mm -hmm. Why are you having these things? Gotcha. And then we've kind of addressed that a little bit earlier as far as the viruses or the, um, the different ways that that can happen. But mm -hmm. so how does, how does one, um, how do you test and figure out? what is happening. And I know that obviously someone doesn't walk in your office and you look at them and say, you have an autoimmune disease, <laughs> but how does the, um, how does, how do you deduce down to figuring out that, you know, okay, that you have these symptoms. Okay. We do these, this kind of testing mm -hmm. and, and get to the point where we, we can identify that that autoimmune is what is happening. Mm -hmm. For these diseases, it actually is, uh, somewhat, easy to diagnose these because you are looking for antibodies uh, to certain tissues and if you have those antibodies then you have at least some degree of the disease. So let's take Hashimoto's for example. 
Uh, we test for two different thyroid antibodies, thyroid globulin antibodies and antithyroid peroxidase antibodies. And if you have either of those antibodies, then you have, again, some degree of, of the disease. And so there are specific antibodies that we're looking for for specific conditions. And so it's actually just a relatively easy blood test to do. Of course, you need to be looking for the uh, putting together the history and the physical before doing the blood work. But yeah, the blood work actually tends to be the, the best for diagnosing these. Gotcha. So we've been diagnosed and we know, okay, you have antibodies toward this and you've got this. And obviously each of these is a little bit different, a lot different Mm -hmm. in certain cases. But generally, how do you go about treating autoimmune conditions? And you can kind of just go through the basics of that too. Sure. And there is a bit of a, a hierarchy here when it comes to treating it, because we oftentimes start with the simplest things and then move down the list as we as we go along. And then we also monitor the antibodies to see if we are making progress. And that's one thing I think is very important for doctors to be doing, is if you should be, if you identify an autoimmune disease, you know what their baseline levels of an antibody are, you should be monitoring that as you're, as you're treating and seeing if things are getting better. Because if things are getting better, the antibody should be improving. Uh, but the simplest place to start for autoimmune disease really is the gut and to start with food. So I've seen uh, probably the biggest impact from a dietary change is identifying food sensitivities and eliminating those foods doing elimination diet. The two biggest culprits for food are gluten and dairy by far. So if there is a gluten sensitivity or a dairy sensitivity uh, based on blood test, then we will do an elimination diet and we'll kind of watch the levels again as we, as you're staying with the diet, we watch the levels uh, go down hopefully. And I've seen multiple people that have had Hashimoto's that all we did was eliminate uh, gluten and dairy and their Hashimoto's resolved. Mm-hmm. It, it went away. And then when they brought the foods back in, then the antibodies came back. And so right. it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, clear case that that is, that is connected. And nobody likes to hear that, but well, it's, it's glut- not fun. gluten and dairy can, taking out gluten and dairy can fix so many different things. And it, uh, it's just fascinating how impactful that can be for so many different conditions. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, any if you're listening to this and you have an autoimmune disease, that is an easy thing that you can do even without, you know, physician assistance. Right. You, you can do that on your own. And yeah, there's more complicated uh, dietary, you know, changes you can make. There's something called an autoimmune paleo diet, AIP diet. That's pretty restrictive. Uh, and I haven't seen significantly more improvement with that versus just cutting out gluten and dairy. Gluten and dairy really appear to be the the big ones. So we'll start there. We'll watch the antibody levels, see how they improve. Yeah, if they're not getting much better, then not necessarily connected, but it doesn't hurt to, get into, to make those dietary changes. And then usually the next step for me is looking for like yeast, uh, chronic yeast infection. That's pretty common. And then looking down the path of different chronic infections. So things like, again, chronic Epstein-Barr is really prevalent. Uh, chronic Lyme disease, very prevalent. I think a lot of people know what Lyme disease is, but talk, tell us what Epstein-Barr is because I know that I did not used to know what that is. Sure. So Epstein-Barr virus is the virus that causes mono. So mono is known as the kissing disease, the one that most people get when they're in high school or, or college, uh, and you get really sick and really tired for a period of time. And this, again, is a pretty easy test uh, to identify if you have mono. But what can happen for people that, that get mono is that some people get it and they clear it and they have no problems uh, down the road. 
other people they get it and then their immune system just is unable to clear it and it kind of lingers in their system for for years or, or decades and so we can also look for antibodies to Epstein-Barr virus and if someone had Epstein-Barr virus let's say back in high school but their anti antibody levels are still off the charts to me that's still telling me that they're still fighting it and there's still some something going on and why they haven't been able to clear it yet right fascinating um sorry were you going to say something about no, I, think, and Lyme. I think it was just kind of going down the pathway, you know, sure. and that's, so just like the first kind of couple steps, I think food sensitivity is number one. I would probably say uh, yeast and chronic infections would be number two. And then I'd probably say number three is mold. Of course, that can change depending on certain circumstances and depending on the history. So if someone said, you know, yeah, I've been bit by a hundred ticks, I'm going to start with Lyme disease first. Right. Or if someone says, you know, I live in this apartment, but it just smells real musty, I'll look at mold first. So it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily, we have to go on those steps, but those are some of the first things I think about. Right. Awesome. Well, one thing that we want to, one thing that we have been talking about, and there's a concern right now, and there's just, in the integrative community, there has been some talk of it and some concern about potentially the coronavirus vaccines and how they function in the body that they could potentially create um, more autoimmune disease down the road because of the way that they function. And in our last couple of minutes, we talked to that a little bit more about why that is a possibility just so people can be aware yeah. that that's something that is a potential side effect, but it probably isn't going to be seen mm -hmm. for months, years, decades. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's also important to clarify is that this is a hypothetical mm -hmm. concern. So we don't necessarily know if this is going to play out or not, but it is, again, it's hypothetical at this point. Uh, but what we've been seeing through different studies uh, with the coronavirus vaccine is that there is a concern that what is being produced from the from the vaccine especially the spike protein from the coronavirus it can have a lot of the what's called molecular mimicry or it can look similar to different tissues in the body and so that can trigger the autoimmune process that's the concern because that's what we see with again those other things that I mentioned as far as root causes is that there's a piece of it like let's say Epstein-Barr virus there's a piece of it that looks like thyroid tissue. So if you get an antibody to Epstein-Barr virus that has, and that antibody has similar reactivity with the thyroid tissue, that is what can trigger that, and that's what's called, that's what's called molecular mimicry. And the spike protein, those little things that stick out of the virus, uh, on the coronavirus, there is some concern that the antibodies that are being produced to that protein can have similar effect and similar interaction with different tissues in, in the body. Uh, we have, there is some evidence that there's, uh, that it can interact with thyroid tissue. So possibility of, again, Hashimoto's uh, being involved. Uh, there's some evidence that can interact with the, with the placenta. Uh, so some concern about uh, fertility. Again, hypothetical concerns, mm -hmm. but I think it's important for us to be at least talking about these things. And for someone that is going to be asking the provider, should I get the vaccine or not? We, I think it should at least be, at least be discussed. Right. Not to say, oh, you have to do it because I told you to. It's because, well, these are some things, you know, this is the effectiveness that we're seeing at this point. This is the uh, benefit. And then here are some hypothetical concerns that, again, we don't know, but we, but that's the problem is we won't know for months or years down the road. And so I think 
what we're going to, I mean, what we're going to really have to do is wait and see. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and I've talked to my partner about this, is I think it's going to be interesting to see what our practice looks like as far as what patients we're getting, you know, a year from now. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be the same? You know, I mean, well, just to that, people are getting sicker every day. So even just been practicing for 10 years, people are getting sicker. But uh, is it going to be a lot drastically different? I'm going to see a lot more autoimmune disease. We're going to see something else popping up that we didn't expect. And that's the thing is that, you know, these, these vaccines, especially the, the ones that are the mRNA vaccines, this is, this is a science experiment right now. Uh, and so it, it appears to be effective uh, and appears to be pretty safe, but it's still a science experiment. And we are testing this in, in so many people, and each person is unique. Each person has a unique genetic, genetic makeup. Each person has their own susceptibility to certain things like autoimmune disease. And we're not going to know if there is a segment of the population that has a susceptibility, that has unique genetics. And when they get, this gets you know, introduced into the system, that is going to trigger something. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm just saying we, we don't know. So uh, I think it's just important to be looking at both sides of the equation for everything. No matter what you're doing, if you're doing natural treatments for things, look on both sides of the equation. If you're looking for diagnostic, you look for both sides of the equation. You just need to be looking at the pros and the cons, and being being honest about those. That sure. These are things that we we this these are these are, this is the data we know as far as its effectiveness. These are some concerns that we've seen based on previous studies on similar similar vaccines, and then you can make an informed decision. Right. What would you say to a patient that already has an autoimmune condition and is considering the vaccine? I guess that's that'll be my last question. I just thought of that one. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one because, and we did a podcast on kind of, you know, how do you determine if it makes right. sense to do it or not? Right. And, and the main risk factors that we talked about with that were age and obesity and diabetes. Those are the main risk factors. And the higher risk you are from getting the, the virus, I would say more likely to get the vaccine. Autoimmune disease, again, is kind of a toss-up. We don't know. So if someone has a, a current autoimmune disease, could this trigger another autoimmune disease? Again, that's, I think, a hypothetical, but a potential risk. So I think that should be considered. Uh, but it is one of those things that I think it should be discussed individually mm-hmm. uh, with each patient. And I've had, again, discussions every day with my <laughs> patients about whether or not they should they should get it. And some people I tell them they should, and other people I tell them I don't think it's the best idea. Mm-hmm. And so that's for in those cases I would look at I would look at the other risk factors. So I would look at the age, uh, weight, uh, blood sugar levels. I would look at those, kind of look at their risk, because we have not seen, at least in our practice, we haven't seen autoimmune disease being a a big risk for having a bad outcome from the virus. Okay. We have we haven't seen that. That actually doesn't appear to be a, a big risk factor. The big risk risk factors are those that I mentioned. Right. And so if they are really healthy, they're younger, they don't have those other risk factors, I'd probably be leaning away from getting the, the vaccine and saying, let's let's see how this plays out for a while. Uh, for someone that's, you know, really old and has a lot of other comorbidities and you add in autoimmune disease on top of that, I'd probably still be leaning towards the vaccine mm-hmm. at that point. Gotcha. Okay, I think that's all the questions that I have. And it's always great to have Wiggy on. He's such a breadth of knowledge. And even being his wife, I always learn so much from him during these segments. So um, please, if you would, um, let us know what you think of the podcast. We would love for you to leave a review on whatever listening platform you are using. And also know that if you're listening through Spotify, you can actually send us a little voice clip. And we'd love to hear those. So your comments, reviews, good, bad, or ugly. We love to hear those as well as any 
anything you would like for us to talk about, we'd love to hear your recommendations as well. Thank you so much for listening today, and we'll catch up with you next time. It's Emily here, and today I want to invite you to make sure to check out Robinhood Integrative Health. If you are a resident of the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area, and you're looking for a doctor who treats you differently, looks deeper into the issues that you're having, and seeks to hear you as a person and really help to get you better, then I can't recommend Robinhood Integrative Health, where Dr. Wiggy practices enough. Make sure that you go to their website and see how you can benefit from their services today. And did you know that they even take some insurances, which basically never happens in integrative medicine. So make sure to check them out and enjoy the episode.